Hello and welcome to The Gray Area, where I dispense advice and give interviews on relationships between gamers. My name is Genesee Gray and this is the 43rd episode in a weekly series called A Star Wars The Old Republic NDA Break. Last week's episode was a discussion on a brief guide to Skyrim. Please visit www.genesee.com to add to the forum discussion on that topic and to tell me your story. Today is Monday, November 20th, and today I am speaking with Alan Omi about the NDA break, as we are so conveniently titled, on Star Wars The Old Republic, and also talking about his experiences with the beta. And we might actually have a little bonus talking about a new mod for Half-Life 2, but let's start with news of the week before we get to that. news of the week. Two new 3DS bundles will be released on November 24th, both of which will retail for $199.99. The first bundle includes the just-launched Super Mario Bros. 3D Land game and a flame-red Nintendo 3DS system. So if you're thinking about getting a uh, 3DS, it might be a good time to do that right before Christmas. The second bundle will include a Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3D game and a special 25th anniversary limited edition Cosmo Black Nintendo 3DS system marked with a Hyrule emblem and gold-colored embellishments. Hmm. <laughs> it's kind of tempting. A lot of stuff. I know. It's tempting because it's a Legend of Zelda-themed one. Yeah, with the, with the Ocarina of Time, um, I've never really played it. I do have a version of it on my GameCube. They re-listed a long time ago, and uh, a lot of people have said really good things about it, but I've never been able to play it. But people rant and rave about that Zelda game. I mean, the only one I've played is the, um, the was it the Wind Waker? The one with the cell shading and... Uh, did you ever play that one, Genesee? No, I played um, Twilight Princess and Four Swords, but never uh, Octarina, which I also hear is good. Yeah, well, people rant and rave saying it's that, and um, they say it's really great, that, and uh, the, the one with the mask, uh, Majora's, I can't remember how to say it, it's, it's called Majora's Mask or something like that, people say okay. that was better, but it was a lot more darker, but I never played them, but I hear people rant and rave, oh, it's one of the best games ever, well, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, everyone says that, everyone, yeah. there's always the best game ever, every year. Skyrim, which we talked about last week, the game that sold 3.5 million copies in two days has some Skyrim improvements to the UI that are possible now. They're not from the publisher, but there's a site that I will link. And some of the basics, some of the improvements are uh, you can disable the mouse smoothing. You can fix the laggy mouse problem. You can change a little bit of the UI uh, look and enable tree and rock self-shadowing and some things that just make it a little bit more... A little nicer, I, I guess, in your display and a little less annoying in the parts that are annoying. So we'll link that on the site. And yes, Alan, you had something to say about Skyrim. <laughs> oh yeah, um, are you liking your, your Skycrack? <laughs> hey, no. I can't get enough. Stop! <laughs> it's not. It's an awesome game. You should play it. See, game of the year. I'll say it right now. Well, I, I played Oblivion and... Um, to me, it's a very neat game, but I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I have such a hard time keeping interest in that game. I think it's really neat with the the pure open-world environment. And the, I mean, the graphics are pretty good, even though it's, what, a five-year game at this point, five-year-old game at this point. It's I know it's quite old now, but, um, you know, I the times I played it, I've, tr- I've tried to play it, like, maybe three or four times now, and I start get started in it after you get out of the prison area, then after that I just kind of lose track, and I never run the game again. I've done it like three or four times. It's like, well, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me in that kind of very open sandbox environment. Maybe I'm not really into that. I don't know. But. Well, I have to say I agree with that, because I also played Oblivion and never managed to get um, through the main story of it just because of the same thing. I got frustrated. I think they've changed some things in Skyrim. The interface, which is, of course updated and more beautiful in Skyrim is actually better in Oblivion. I think they should go back to the old interface. But the story itself, it's very like you have nodes, kind of similar to a lot of people who play MMOs, you kind of have your nodes of your city and then spidering out from that node, there's like a million quests in that area. And then you move from city to city to city. So it's a little bit more directed, I would say, than Oblivion was. It can get a little overwhelming because right now I've got like five cities with 
tons of nodes coming out from every one of them. And it's like, wow, a million, <laughs> I could be here for the rest of my life. But it's a little more directed, and I do like that fact. It's not quite as uh, open-ended a world as Oblivion, although many of the same um, diseases, the same um, classes, the same races are, are all very similar as Oblivion, but I think it's a little better. Yeah, from what, what I've seen, I mean, people have been saying that the the game looks pretty good, although there's been some cl- complaints that, like, oh, well, um, they, they've consoleized this game again, or whatever it is, because they've... From, this goes back to the whole thing with people complain about how well they develop it for the, like with Rage, you know, they developed uh, it yes. for the console, then they ported it to the PC. People complain, oh, well, um, they've done the graphics down because they, they did it to the Xbox 360 first, whatever they ported, whatever they made the game for. I don't know if they did it for the PS3, the Xbox 360, then they ported it, but people are complaining that, oh, well, you know, the game has been dumped down because of the consolization. So, but well, I don't know. In the interface, when you bring it up, the way they have it into three sections, there's like, two vertical, really narrow sections to the left and a wider section to the right. And the two little vertical sections require a lot of scrolling. And Mm -hmm. it's not easy to do in a PC-based game. It's much easier if you have a controller in your hand to run down those five, you know, menus on the left. And and why would you want to read, you know, you can only read two or three words and then you have to scroll down to read the rest. You know, it's it's all narrow and weird. So they have to fix some of that. It's not designed well for the PC, for sure. Well, um, Bethesda, that's how you say it, the yes. company, right? They, I, I was reading about, I think it was last week, or it was really recently, they were talking about how um, that developing for the PC, in their opinion, is quite difficult, which, to a certain point, I can see their point of view, because when you develop for the PC, you have to take into account, like, with the hardware configurations, which can be almost limitless. I mean, you have ATI, NVIDIA, for video cards, you got, you know, Creative makes their own sound cards, you got Intel and AMD, and you know, you can go on for hours. Well, that's on, true. Everybody has yeah. their own customization that's yeah. probably hard and so, to... And so, you know, they, they, they're complaining that uh, it's really hard to develop for the PC, but on the one hand, I do have to disagree with their point, because that's where, this is where DirectX and other APIs come in, where they abstract all the low-level stuff away for the developers, so they don't have to worry about, okay, well, how do we allocate memory, how do we allocate pages, or whatever it is. No, you don't have to worry about that. The operating system and those pieces worry about that you just tell what you want it to do and that will do everything for you so you know to a certain point i think they are correct that it is kind of a headache to make sure you have everything work with all these different configurations and video cards and cpus but it's not to where where it used to be you go back 15 years ago you know like when you're still developing for you know windows 95 and dos you know like when you really had to take that stuff into account because you know things are much different compared to they were back then so (laughs) but that's that's personal opinion they can they can believe what they want. Okay. I guess I should also mention, in case anyone didn't know, which they should by now, is that Elinomi does our tech talk section. Uh, That's right. <laughs> with the podcast, and there he goes with his tech. Yes. Yeah, my, my gibberish. I try I try not to do that, but sometimes I do get, get off on a tangent, <laughs> and then I just look, have people look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sure some people will have understood all of that, although I, that was not too bad. I, I kind of followed most of that. Thanks. Okay, well, and just for the record, API stands for Application Program Interface. Just, okay. just for just for the record, so in case anybody wants to know. I figured when you said Nvidia, I, I was following you, but uh, the rest of it not so much. <laughs> All right, uh, Torchlight Two, a kind of hopefully awesome game because Torchlight One's pretty nice, has been delayed until 2012. Um, they want to spend some extra time, make sure it's really good game. So delay on that until the beginning of 2012. Also, Assassin's Creed Revelations came out recently, and it looks really good. I, I felt like we should address it slightly because it's also a major game, and uh, it's been kind of overshadowed a bit by Skyrim. Yeah, I, I never, I played the first one, and okay. I, uh, and I kind of got disappointed after the first one because, like the the not to go off on a different subject, but the ending just ends, and I'm just kind of standing like, well, that's the ending. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you, you have to you have to play the other games to find out what how do you get out of the building. It's like, uh, oh, it's, see, it's I played the first one too, and like part of the second one, but then I just got annoyed and I ended up not finishing it. But I think apparently, if you play Revelations, it's really a bonus to you to have played the previous uh, games because the story is based upon. Um, and I'm gonna like massacre the Italian names for this. I'm sorry. Um, the character you play is called Desmond Miles. He's 20 years yep. old, bartender. <laughs> Apparently he's kidnapped by the Templars, and he's the descendant of Enzio and Altair. I hope I'm saying that right. Altair. 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 Right. And those are the two characters from the other one, I believe. And the Templars are able to kind of access, like, 
the memories of these two guys via this DNA machine. And so you get to be, to see some flashbacks from their lives and kind of take you back to the other games in this. Um, but apparently this DNA accessing that they're doing, uh, is destroying the mind of your character Desmond. So you uh, play through the game based on that. Another neat feature of this game, I would say, is the 3D aspect, which having not played it, I don't understand as well as someone who has, but apparently it comes with 3D glasses, so you can play it 3D, and then if it gets a little difficult, you can take them off and play in 2D. Um, it's only available right now for Xbox or PS3, but the PS or the PC version will come out the 29th of this month, so it should be mentioned. Yeah, well, I could see with the... I wonder how that worked with the 3D thing. I mean, like, I, I've seen, like, the 3D things, like, with the Blu-rays and Best Buy, and I don't know, it's me, that's kind of a fad. So I'm kind of <laughs> curious how that would work in a video game, which it might be pretty cool, but, you know, I don't think I'd play that on a regular basis because the game's already in 3D. Why do I need to have glasses on to see it, like, <laughs> shit come into my face? No, no, I don't need that, but... Well, yeah, it kind of reminds you of those old cheesy movies that they'd pass you yep. glasses to watch, and it sounds like, from the reviews I'm reading, it's much better than that. Uh, hopefully so. Yeah, hopefully so, yes. Also, very exciting uh, news from Amazon.com. They're running a promotion of buy one, get one half off. It's a sale for the season. And some of the games that are included in that are Modern Warfare 3, Skyrim, of course, Batman Arkham City, Uncharted 3, and Rage. So if you haven't tried any of the games we've been uh, talking about recently, it might be a good idea to get um, one half off if you buy another one. So there you go. All right. News of the week for you, Alan. Um, let me just say, <laughs> special for you, okay? <laughs> I present for your consideration a man, a basement-dwelling man with dial-up, suddenly and mysteriously acquiring a cable modem. He goes online with no latency for the first time ever. Three days later, under questionable circumstances, despite the fact that he has not pre-purchased or has the intent to purchase Star Wars The Old Republic, he's accepted for the beta. Suddenly, he has rocketed into another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mine, a journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. There's a signpost up ahead. It says, Star Wars The Old Republic Beta. How do you explain this incident, Joshua Allen, Clarence Rogers? How do I explain it? Um, that's a good question. I guess it's just coincidental timing. I mean, after living off of 3G internet for, I don't know, it's probably close to two years, uh, and then AT&T wanted to screw us over, and we just gave them the finger and turned it off and got cable, it was pretty coincidental timing, which for a while there, you know, when I signed up for the, you know, the beta on the, the website, where you do your, the process and all that stuff. I was really hoping that, thinking, shit, I hope I don't get the beta while I'm still on 3G because it will take me forever to download this damn thing. And then, coincidentally, like the, like, the, like the same week or the next week after we get cable installed, bam, this is right there. You've been, <laughs> you've been selected. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, thank God. Perfect timing. <laughs> <sighs> Very wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Well, it's, it, it's almost like being like with the, like with the lightning bolts, like, Oh, God. I know. It was literally like that week. The second you get uh, off dial-up, you get accepted into the beta. It, it was your consolation prize for uh, getting off dial-up. Oh, yeah. Well, it, like I said, perfect timing, but uh, I really would have hated to, to download that, the beta over um, 3G got, because I think I topped out maybe a megabit, and that depends on how much traffic was going over the AT&T's cellular network. But... Um, you know, it probably would have taken me all week, and I guarantee you I wouldn't have been able to download it in time before, um, you know, the, the it started on Friday, because that's what they usually do it, from Friday to thir- Saturday, uh, Sunday to Monday. So, you know, and I really would have hated to download it, because I read the forums, the older public forums sometimes, and people say, well, I only have like uh, 1,024 kilobits per second, which is around a megabit or somewhere around there, and... Uh, and people complain that, well, how am I going to be able to download this? And and I, I kind of feel sorry for those people because I'm like, yeah, buddy, I know I was in that position. <laughs> I, I, there's not really much you can do other than just suck it up and and just watch the progress bar or get moved to another area and get better uh, better internet provider. I mean, it's <laughs> I know how it feels, and trust me, some days it and sucks. I'll put it that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is one of the major complaints, I guess, for the beta, is that the installer is huge and it takes an yeah. entire day to download. But let's go into your experiences. Um, first, do you want to give your <laughs> disclaimer so no one says anything about it? 
Yeah, um, just for the record, um, the NDA has been lifted. I'm sure the people that follow this game religiously know that the NDA has been lifted, 99% of it, but there's one area that I still cannot talk about and other areas that the people that also that are in the beta, like myself, can't talk about is the game tester forms. So uh, don't be disappointed if they say, oh, well, what what are they talking about in the game tester forms? Sorry. Still under, still under NDA. They'll kill me if I talk about that. You know, the men in black will come get me. So just, just <laughs> forewarning. There you go. Now, I've gotten a little bit of information, I guess, about the beta from Valkyrie, from Fragdolls, kind of off the record, and from a couple of other people. But let's Who's go your source? The- Who's your source, Dan? <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> off the record... Very off the record. But let's go into the basic story. Uh, what level were you when you were finally ejected from the beta? Uh, I got slightly over level 19. That's where I stopped, and I was on my, my ship. Uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but that's where pretty much where I stopped for this for that round of testing. So. Okay. My understanding is that there are four different classes uh, for each, like a dark and light side, and that they, they have a choice, some sort of split that comes around 10. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, to start off from pretty much Star Wars fashion, you have two sides, and well, there's more than two, but you know, pretty much for the players, you know, if you want to play the game, you have to pick either you have the Republic on the one side, which it's the same Republic that you see in the Star Wars movies, the prequels, you know, one, two, and three, and then you have the Empire on the other side, which is not the same Empire that you see like in the the, the original trilogy, like when Emperor Palpatine and Darth Vader. It's not really the same, but it does kind of have the same setting, so to speak. More or less. Um, okay. Well, I understand this is kind of like a follow-up maybe to the other Star Wars games. Is yeah. this the same exact characters that were in that or the same like timeline? How does that work? Okay. Well, the, this follow this is following uh, the Knights of the Old Republic series. Now, for, who's, for those of you that haven't played, Knights of the Old Republic is basically set around, I think, 4,000 uh, BBY, which that's, that's for before Battle Yavin in Star Wars terms. Yes, they do have it by year and stuff. And uh, pretty much around that time, that kind of gets around like the Jedi Civil War and stuff like that. I won't go too deep into detail because this is my recommendation. If you do want to play the Old Republic, I'd recommend at least playing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the first one. Uh, two also is a good one as well, um, especially with the content mod that players did do to restore a lot of the uh, content in the game that uh, Obsidian didn't put in when they shipped it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'd, play, I'd play those first, and then that will kind of give you a lot of backstory because they're going to talk about things like Revan, um, you know, Darth Malak, and there's going to be a lot of references to characters that if you haven't played those games, you're going to be kind of confused, like, well, who the hell's Revan? You Why know, is I that? think I played them, Ellen, because they sound so familiar to me. I know I've yeah. played them. Yeah, well, the thing is, if you do, if you haven't played them, but you do play the game, you know, people are going to be kind of wondering, like, well, who the hell's Revan? Why, why does this matter? So, that's my recommendation. But, like, uh, your original question was, yes, it does follow off to where um, Knights of the Old Republic into the the current day, uh, it's like it's like a couple hundred years after, I believe. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I do know it's a while after, uh, at least the last one, the second one. Okay. And some of the characters are still around, and they did say that they are going to explain what happened to key characters like uh, Kreia. Uh, she's in the second one, I think. Maybe Candorous. I don't know exactly for sure, but that's from what I've heard. They're going to kind of explain and get backstory to what happened to them after the game ended. So, and there's going to be a few characters like... Uh, Satil, Sean, I believe she's the uh, a descendant. Descendant, excuse me, the descendant of Basila, who's the character from the first and second game. So there are people that were kind of tied to the the first two are, are going to be around in this one. Now I know she's she's tied to the descendants, but I don't know who else is. So you know I haven't gotten that far, but I do know there is like a lot of references from what I've seen so far in the game to the previous like Knights of the Republic series. So. Okay, what's the story for your particular character when you begin? Uh, pr- the, with the the bounty hunter, just just let you know, the bounty you hunters. Played? Yeah, I played the bounty hunter, and uh, basically from how it starts off, and what I recall is you they call it like the great hunt, and you're on the Hutta. That's where you start off as you both the the bounty hunter and the imperial agent start off on the Hutta planet. What you do is you pretty much have to go through like a uh, like a bounty hunter fashion. Like they give you a missions to go. Okay, we need to go kill this guy or go rough this guy up or whatever it is and it pretty much starts off from there and then once you finish off with the storyline of that part you know then you go to uh the station the imperial fleet and then you get your companion by the way mako who that's that's the first companion for the bounty hunter and then you go there and then it pretty much just kind of progresses off from there i mean i don't want to go too specific because i don't want to you know spoil the story because i've seen quite a bit into it even though i stopped level 19 but okay. it's in my opinion, the, the Bounty Hunter storyline, um, 
was really well done. I liked the voice acting. I thought it was well written. Uh, I thought it was believable, and I did like the humor and the voice acting and some of the choices you could make um, with the like the light and dark side choices. Um, you know, in some respects, you could be a real dick. I'll put it that way. You could do some real bad things that you would like uh, not expect in a video game. Like for one example, is there's going to be oh, like when you're still on the starter world, Huda. Um, one thing you could do is you could. You want to be a dick. You could, uh, like, go and basically decapitate the person you killed. You cut off their head. You put it in a bag, and you bring it back to that person's wife. <laughs> like, you're tossing it in your hand. So, like, here, I wanted to bring this to you or something like that. And it's just, like, that's just one example of But I, the first time I saw it, I was like, did that happen? In, did it just happen in the video game? <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, they will never be showing this in Australia. There we go. <laughs> well, it, it might be really censored in some in some countries. You never know, but... So. Well, what is with the split that I'm hearing about at, at around level 10? Uh, what You're the bounty hunter. How does a split work for a bounty hunter? You, does that mean you have to choose your side? Because I believe you already kind of were designated light or dark. Or what does the split mean? Well, before I get to that, the other question you did ask me about the classes. Um, okay. Just to go back to that. They, there's the, you have the two sides, and then you have the class on each side. For the Republic side, you have the smuggler, you have the trooper, you have the Jedi consular, and you have the Jedi Knight. Now, to go into these, you know, kind of, uh, I don't want to say, you know, you can kind of get the archetypes pretty easy just by the names. They're yeah, kind of, don't worry too much like detail. Caster, stuff like that. And then the opposite side, you have the Bounty Hunter, which is the Mirror of the Trooper. You have the Imperial Agent, which is the Mirror of the um, Smuggler. And you have the, the Sith Inquisitor, which is the Mirror of the, the Consular. And then you have the the Warrior, which is the, which is the Mirror of the, the Jedi Knight. And now... Now, with that explained, what you're talking about, the split, is you, you talk about your advanced class. Now, when you get to level 10 and you get off your starting world, what you, when you go to your station, the Imperial Fleet, and I think it's the Republic Fleet if you're playing on the Republic side. I don't know. I never got that far on the Republic side. But what you're going to do is you're going to uh, get a quest. And they may have improved this because when I was in the beta, you know, it was kind of a little bit hard to do because like when I first got in the station, I was like, what I thought was like, well, okay, now then level 10, does this automatically pop and say, okay, choose your class. Now what you got to do, this I played is you got to go talk to a quest giver, which thankfully is right near the area where you come in the station. You got to go up an elevator and he's right there. And then uh, you go talk to them and then you go do some more stuff. And then finally you're going to be giving a selection of choose your advanced class. Now with the bounty hunter, because I've played the bounty hunter, so I know pretty specifically about this. Um, with the bounty hunter, you got two advanced classes. You have the power tech on the one hand, and you have the mercenary on the other. Now, the advanced class is basically like, think of it this way, like you have your you have your base class with the bounty hunter, right? Mm-hmm. And then your advanced class is kind of like more of a specialized, like you're kind of like your real class in a sense that you, you go into, uh, you pick. Yeah, and, okay, most uh, games have kind of that option, like you can be yeah. the explosive expert, or you can be the alt- artillery expert, or whatever, in different yeah. games. Is that well, what this is? Yeah, mm-hmm. The, the things like with the bounty hunter uh, on one hand like with the with the power tech the power tech is more of like like along the lines like with your gadgets so like that's more like a tank but also from what I've heard from what people that have played power techs I never played power tech I only played the mercenary side but from what I hear power techs can, are really good I mean they're, they're more like along the lines of tanks but I hear they do really good DPS and they do good in PvP hmm. um, and then on the other side you have the mercenary which is what I played and the mercenary is you have a one you have one uh, skill tree which is a healer more or less they call it the bodyguard tree uh, a have, healer for a, ba- a bounty hunter that's yeah. odd yeah mm-hmm. and then you have uh, you have the arsenal tree which is kind of um, more or less like DPS, for example. Then you have uh, Firebug, which they, they renamed it in the patch notes to Pyrotech now. And I can't really comment too much on Pyrotech because I've looked at the tree, but um, I haven't looked at it too much. And people have said that it's, it's kind of like a like a weird um, kind of like a weird tree. People say it doesn't really mesh well with the other trees. I mean, this is just from what I've read. I can't really comment for for sure because I haven't got that far. Okay. But um, like I played the Arsenal tree and I thought it was really fun and I looked it over and I like to look on this the cal t- the scale calculators which are out now by the way with the NDA on Darth Hader, uh, dot com and I've cut it pretty much down to a science to how everything works and it, it's pretty neat uh, how you know with this game you have a lot of choices to where on the one hand if you want to play the power tech you know the the trees for the most part are quite, quite are really different from each other now granted they do they do share once uh, one uh, they call it a shared skill tree between both advanced classes because okay. you have two, you have uh, on the one hand like you have with the 
mercenary, you have the bodyguard, and you have arsenal, then you have the pyrotech. On the other hand, with the power tech, you have the advanced prototype, you have the shield tech, and you have pyrotech. Can you multi-dual a talent, or you just have to pick one, and that's your long-term choice, and that's... Well, with that, uh, from my understanding so far, from what Bioware has said, and they've changed their stances on this several times, from what, from what they're saying right now, at least, is that they're not going to allow you to, at least at launch, to change your advanced class. Okay. So basically, if you pick a this one I know from the bounty hunter, if you pick like a a power tech, that's it. That's you until for your character. Okay. You, know, you can't change it. Now they've talked about where possibly they could do dual specking, and to a certain point, you know, I I could see the logic behind this because you know it, there are sometimes like you need to like you need to heal or whatever it is. So if I need so if I need to heal for an instance, you know, I can just switch over from arsenal to bodyguard, and mm-hmm. I can. You know, do the healing and stuff, but they—they're not going to do that launch, in my understanding. But they may do it down the road. And you think they'd have to? Because I'm wondering about—I guess like long-term playability is one of my concerns. Because I hear that the story is excellent and it's very story-driven. But what will happen after you hit level cap and there's no more story? You know, you're going to have to, I assume, raid or do some sort of end-game content. And if you're going to be doing that, you can't. It would be tough to be kind of stuck in one particular class that you can never change. Well, from th- th- that's been a big thing that on the forums people have talked about that, and uh, people are kind of wondering. And Bioware has been, they've been kind of hush hush on the subject where they're like they said there's going to be operations, which is synonymous to a raid, raid? and what, okay. and you have flashpoints, which is synonymous to an instance and stuff, and so on and so forth. And you have war zones, which is synonymous to battlegrounds, you know, PvP and stuff. Um, but they they've been kind of quiet about Zeki, how it's going to work. I, I believe they've revealed two operations so far, from my understanding. I haven't looked too deeply into them because okay. I'm trying to save some stuff for later. But I believe, from what I'm seeing, there's going to be a lot of stuff to do in the end game because this is just personal opinion, but from... I did play World of Warcraft. Yes, I played World of Warcraft for about four years, and one of my, one of my issues with World of Warcraft, one of the downfalls with that game, is that you know crafting was crap. I don't care what most people say. Crafting was useless. The only things you could do at in-game were PvP or raid. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess to a certain extent you could do achievements if you wanted to, but most people didn't do that. But that's that's the problem with the downfall of that game is you can't you can only do one of the two. There's really nothing else to do. You know, like I said, crafting was crap. You know, you were kind of limited to what you can do. And I really hope with this game. After what I've seen so far, I think Bioware is gunning for that direction. Is there's going to be a lot of options to where you, could, if you want to craft all the time and make tons of money, you can do that. Um, I, I didn't delve too much into the crafting system, but from what I saw, there was a lot of different uh, professions or whatever mm-hmm. it is, or, or uh, crew skills—that's what they call it in the old Republic—that uh, you can do. And I, I think crafting is going to be really big. Um, you know, there's going to be PvP, and from what I'm seeing, you know, they're they're really emphasizing world PvP, not just war zones, which I'm really excited about. That they actually just announced a new part of the game. I think it was Outlaws Den, I believe. It was open PvP zone or whatever it is, to where they had vendors inside. And if you want to, it, it if you read about, it, you know, you you can read more. But um, I believe, like with this game, that they're going to have a lot more choice than just either raid or die. Because well, good considering that it is supposed to be sort of a mix of like you know a single player role play game yeah. and also an MMO. Well, one of the things that I'm wondering as well. I mean, I've played games where it's not quite that that big a mix. It's more on the MMO side. But when there's an event, okay, let's say you have to go and you know kill ten mobs and a boss, and he's like out to destroy the world. So you you as your individual go and you kill that boss and his 10 mobs and then um you either have to camp and wait because every other person in the world is trying to kill that boss and his 10 mobs or you have to kill him and then like maybe your friend has forgotten to do that quest you have to go back and he's going to respawn in like two minutes Mm -hmm. and then you have to kill him with your friend that would kind of be a detriment i would think for somebody like me who really loves the skyrim like single player rp if you're in an mmo and you're trying to be immersed in that story to run into the same people that you just killed five seconds ago that just respawned or have like 15 other people like swamping you while you're trying to complete your storyline. That would really throw me out of the, the kind of immersion that I'm looking for. How did you find that? Well, to a certain point, I I did find what you're talking about. Um, And to a certain point, I mean, I'm not really sure being with the MMO. I think that's, that's one of those things you're just going to have to do like a suspension of disbelief. You're just going to have to have to, 
accept it for what it is. I mean, the only uh, the only way I could really see getting around that is you have to be heavily instanced, which they do do a lot of instancing already in the game from what I saw. But to to a certain point, I think you're just going to have to accept it for what it is because it is an MMO. Okay. You know, but I I just see what you mean, and to, at certain points I kind of thought, yeah, it's a little annoying, but. In the long run, I, I was I was immersed in the story. I felt like I was part of something big, and you know, for a lot of time, I didn't feel like I was questing. Okay. So you know, I thought it was pretty good. If you're really into the story of the game and stuff like that, and you really enjoy, it, I think you'll be able to overlook it and say, "Well, unfortunately, this is just how it is with this type of game for right now." Well, maybe 20 years from now, we'll be we'll have it so good to where we can have it pretty much seamlessly instanced, to where you know, you won't even notice the difference. You know, you look like you'll be in your own little world. You won't see anybody until later in the game. Then that's when you start seeing all the other players around, like when you hit the end game or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, is that very weird to see everyone running around with the same companions that you have? To a certain point, yeah, but the one thing that Bioware has done, and I'm really happy about this, is they are making it to where you can customize your companions. You can like give them like different um, outfits and stuff to where you can change their look quite a bit. You can customize their looks. Okay. And, and I thought to a point, too, though I could be incorrect about this, I thought they would allow you to change their names, at least their, their name title, but I could, I could be incorrect on that one. They may have changed their mind or could have just heard that uh, wrong. But um, even still, I think once... The, with that right there, that kind of helps, you know, get around the point of like, oh, shit, like, I just saw the same person running around with my same hand that I already have. <laughs> right, you know, right. So. Well, also, you were saying um, when we were talking yesterday about how individuals can have surnames as well. and yep. And hopefully there'll be a lot of little details like that where you – they kind of allow you to be customized to the point where you feel, you know, this is my, my character. And even though yep. certain people may look the same, did you pick what was your surname? Well, I didn't pick one because they, from my understanding, that wasn't in the game, or they had, the it wasn't, it wasn't in that build of the beta at the time. Ah, okay. So, from what I, from my understanding, is they've already announced the legacy system. That's what you're referring to, and right now with the legacy system, from one of the things they're going to do is you just refer to as the surnames, and to get into that for the people that don't know what this is, uh, the surname legacy thing is going to make it to where you pick a name when you hit a certain point in the game, and. I think it's like after Act 1, and I'm not really sure exactly what level that is or along the storyline is how I haven't gotten really far into the game yet. But what you're going to do is once you hit that level, that point, you're going to pick a surname for your character, and it's going to be universal and unique across this, your server, all factions, and all realms. So if you pick, like let's say if I take the last name like uh, Zahn from Tiber Zahn in, in another Star Wars game, I just have the last names on my all my characters. It's going to be unique. I'm going to have it. No one else in the entire game can have it. You know, so that's that's going to make it unique. And the thing about that too uh, is they said to this the guy that announced it from Bioware said that uh, it's going to be like universally unique, and it's going to be across all your characters. So all your characters, no matter if they're on the Republic or the Empire side, are going to have They'll the be same from surname. House Zahn. Yeah, more or less. And they they made it to where you can either have like a surname like your character name whatever your surname is or you can have like the the something legacy like so like the skywalker legacy for example they're not going to let you have skywalker because it's going right, it, to it sure really throw the game off <laughs> but but they said you can do that as well like have like another title like saying the something legacy or something like that for example so from what i've seen there's a lot of potential there um there's some feet there's a lot of controversial feedback with that people were saying well you know i don't want to have like if i have a zabrock which is that's um like Darth Maul, he's the same race. If you know who Darth Maul is, mm-hmm. you know exactly what they look like. It, I don't know how I can have like a Sabrock, a Zabrock and a human having the same surname. And to a certain point, I can kind of see their logic. I mean, it does seem kind of silly. But at the same token, the, they did say that if you want to, you can turn it off. Ah. You know, so you can turn your surname off so that way you can have it to where it you know, feels like so. But if it feels silly, you can turn it off and you don't have to show it. And also, if you want to have like certain alternate characters you want to play off on your off time or whatever it is you can turn off so people don't know who you are. <laughs> because granted, you know, if you say, like, I was playing on Seacho, that's a server I was playing on. You know, if you want to go to, say, Darth Malak, it seemed kind of odd because then people know who you are. It's like, oh yeah, aren't you on, aren't you that so-and-so on, on that server? And like going, yeah, or if you want to just like keep your anonymity, you can just turn that off and people won't know who you are. Okay, so. very good. I hear a lot about 
the voice acting and how amazing the voice acting is and how this is voice acting driven and that it's the first of its kind to be voice acting driven. And I confess mm-hmm. I'm a little bit confused about that because there are games, and, and let me bring it up again, Skyrim, where they don't mm-hmm. have the scrolling text, you know, once upon a time there was a guy and he went to the land of Markarth. They don't have scrolling text anymore. They just have you infer by basic conversations between people uh, the backstory yeah. of what's happening. So what do they mean here about voice acting are they talking about like cinematics where in between your play uh voice acting or what do they mean by that as being that's the the first and only game that's ever been driven by voice acting okay what they're talking about is that in the game pretty much all there's there's thousands of there's i think they said like there's about 900 people alone i believe that recorded the english dialogue for the game just just for what it is right now. I'm sure they'll be recording more later down the road. But pretty much all the dialogue in the game, as you just said, is voiced over. There's there's some text and stuff like that. Uh, for especially like for like the alien races, like the Rodians and uh, the Jawas, because they don't speak basic, which is English. You know, mm-hmm. the, the equivalent of English for us. And so you know, there, there's going to be some text for like those races because you know they, they speak their own little language and you can't understand what they're saying. So it will be text. There will be text there so you can you know, translate to see what they're saying. But um, for the most part, it's going to be fully voiced over. You know, they have. When I saw from when I was playing the game, they had many different voice actors. You know, there was to me, it didn't feel like they were they were just re, um, rehashing the same voice actor for different people. <laughs> That's good because you, know, you get tired was, of that guard in every city sounding the same. Yeah, well, that was the, that was one thing that really annoyed me with Nice Old Republic is um, because they Nice Old Republic did the same thing. You know, there was that was pretty much all voice actor too. But with the alien races uh, like the Twi'lek and others, you know, you heard the same four or five different alien uh, voiceover for the entire damn game. God, that pissed me off so much. Like, I'd hear the same thing like you hear from, like, when you start on Taurus all the way to the end planets. Like, can, can we stop saying, can we stop playing that same line over and over for the millionth time? <laughs> but thankfully in this game, um, you know, they it's fully voiced over. You know, there's been, there's a lot, there's a lot of different voice actors. To me, it felt like the, the voice acting was convincing. It wasn't forced, you know, um, there was many different voice actors. So I, I thought it was pretty good. But that's his personal opinion. I mean, some people have said, oh, the voice acting is just a gimmick. Well, <laughs> well it, it, everything's a gimmick. Well, if you don't like it, don't play the game. <laughs> it's very simple. But, you know, I'm going off a different subject there. But. Yes. Let's go about your PvP obsession, which you... This is shocking to me. Shocking. Because I've not known you to be, like, an avid PvPer, but now you're going to start on a planet that's entirely PvP. So what is the thinking behind that, and, and why so suddenly in love with the PvP? Well, uh, truth be told, I mean, I was pretty big in PvP for a long time ago, back in in the land of WoW, a long time ago in the world, world of Warcraft, far, far away. Um, I, I was pretty big in that too. I used to do Altrac Valley like crazy. I do, I don't know, probably ten or twelve matches a day just for the hell of it. And I, I was pretty big into that for a while, but then you know, then the whole balance thing and they kind of <laughs> that whole thing up that, that game. So I kind of got out of it because I got tired of you know rogues coming up to me and just you know stun walking yes, me yes. to death, and I couldn't. Yeah, yes, Jenna, say you, yes, you, for the millionth time. The reason why I want to do PvP in this game is because uh, I'm ready for a new turnover, a new leaf, so to speak. You know, I, I got tired of raiding the same thing, ICC, for the millionth time, which that's not the current content anymore, but, you know, that's what pretty much is the last tier I raided seriously before I stopped playing the game. Uh, you know, I'm ready to, you know, go, go to a different greener pastures or whatever and do something different because I, I got tired of being on a pv server and all you could do is just raid i mean you could do battlegrounds but you know this is a new game ready to do something a little different and the reason why i'm doing it is because i have a few buddies of mine uh, which you know i've talked to you about it um many times that we're gonna just see so, you know, this is a new game you know we're gonna you know do two things number one we're gonna roll the evil side because you know i've always played on M- and MMOs, I always play the good side, you know, which in Alliance, in this case, and WoW, in this case, we're going to roll the Empire side. And uh, we're going to do PvP because, uh, we're on a PvP server because, you know, we get tired of, you know, pretty much like when you get to the end game, you have nothing to do other than raid. Or you can do maybe some, you know, battlegrounds here and there, but we get tired of the same old thing. We're ready to do some, do something different and, like, be able to participate in world PvP because, obviously, like, world PvP on a PvE server is going to be maybe limited mm-hmm. because, you know, that's not the, that's not the, the rule set of the server. You know, it's pretty much just a new player versus environment, whereas, you know, if you're on a PvP server, there's going to be more people geared to that because that's the point of the server. So, and we've mm-hmm. even talked about one point about actually rolling on an RP PvP server. But, wow. um, we didn't do that because, at least for now, I mean, granted, 
if they're going to allow server transfers, which to a certain point I hope they don't because that kind of screwed over a while. That's pretty much it. I mean, that that's kind of why why I'm deciding to do it. So you're going to celebrate turning over a new leaf by shanking your fellow players. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Yay. I'm going I'm, I'm to go after uh, go after Jedi and I'm going to kill him. Free shanks for everyone. And, and my, my friends are saying, well, what do you have against the Jedi? And I'm like, oh, well, they mace killed Jango. You know, and they, <laughs> they, they killed him. And I've had a little thing ever since the Jedi ever since that even though I do root for the Jedi in the movies, you know, I'm I'm I, I I vote I root for you know Luke and Obi Wan all of them in the movies, but when I'm in this game, I'm going to be killing their ass. I'm, I'm going to be going. I'm going to be hunting them down. I'm going to be shooting. Alrighty. So. <laughs> Let's talk a little b- about uh, people's obsession with comparing this to WoW, since we kind of did that the entire podcast yes. as well. Yes. It's sort of the gold standard of MMOs in my mind, and and it's the yardstick, I guess. We compare a lot of things to, but. Uh, this is supposed to be a different game and not comparable in many ways. And uh, I understand that you're getting, the forums are getting quite hot on the debate uh, about people wanting to turn this game, even in the beta form, into a clone version of World of Warcraft. So (laughs) tell me about that. This is very mind-numbing and very frustrating in some sense, but another time it's really funny. I mean, you you could just read some of these people's arguments, which if they, you know, everyone's entitled to an opinion that the United States of America is a free country, and if you want to believe that, you can go right ahead. But you know, some of these people that come on the forums and to say, "Oh well, um, you know, we need DPS meters in this game," I'm like, "Why? Why do we need DPS meters? You know, why do we need threat? Why do we need all these? Like, the, these people have an obsession with they need add-ons in this game to succeed." No, you don't. You, you don't need DPS meters. You don't need. Uh, you don't need deadly boss mods. You don't need all these things that they uh, they're obsessed. They think they have to because they've done it in WoW. Well, what World of Warcraft does, they don't need to do in uh, the Old Republic. But people think that because this is what World of Warcraft does, that the entire MMO genre should follow suit and be a carbon copy of it. But the funny thing about that is, is they complain. Oh, but uh, this is too much like WoW. <laughs> but but you okay, created it to be. Yeah, it's it's stupid thinking because on one hand, these people want the game to be revolutionary. You know, they want this. They want this to be Jesus Christ tap dancing on a cracker playing a flute. They want it to be. It's it's going to be awesome. They want it to be revolutionary in every sense of the form. But at the same time, you know, that's like. But we want it to be like World of Warcraft. We want it to be. <laughs> we want to have DPS meters. We want to have deadly boss mods. We want to have uh, everything that World of Warcraft has. But we want it to be revolutionary. How can how could you do this? Does it make any sense at all? And it, it's to, to me, it's just stupid. It's like people want to have the ability to do uh, like they want to change their advanced classes. Which to a, to a certain point, I can see that if they end up doing the, the change to the advanced classes, I could say okay. To a point, we can. Al- I, I would allow that to a point where it's going to have a high cost. So let's say maybe let's say maybe five million credits, just for example, a five million credit cost, and maybe like a three to six month cooldown. Oh. On the ability. So, yeah, that's, they have to make it to work. Okay, so if you don't like it, you can change, but at the same time, you cannot just do a flavor of the month, like 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 people do in World of Warcraft. It's like, oh, well, uh, the Frost Mage is the, is the best uh, for this month, so I'm just going to roll that. It's they, they don't, they do whatever, they gravitate to whatever they feel is best and not maybe just sitting down and feel like what you, what you like to play the best. If you see what I mean? I do. I do see what you mean. And, well, and so what you, is the level cap for this? They 50. If I'm saying it's 50. Okay. I think maybe those are questions that could be addressed after the majority of the players have reached 50. At this point, there's no need to discuss damage meters or, you know, daily boss mods or any of that stuff when the majority of the people are going to take months and months and months. Hopefully, hopefully it's a kind of story that's going to take you longer to play through to get to that point. Although I don't know because you are 19 already and it's only been a weekend. Did you not eat? No, no, I ate. <laughs> Trust me, I, I, I'm not. I'm not that bad. Where some people, they just they just sit on their couch and they don't do anything. They just sit there for like three days straight, and just play. No, I I got up and I did other things, but you know, I and I did sleep. You know, I, I didn't stay up for the whole seventy-two hour duration. You know, I did sleep too. You know, so it wasn't like I didn't get up and I didn't do anything and set my chair all weekend. So I did eat. <laughs> you are going to be able to pick up. Right from where you left off for this upcoming uh, weekend, I believe, yes? So you will be at practically level 20 and be able to have another full week. And you could be at cap by the time the holiday is over. You realize that? Well, from 
what from my what my friend said, and from my understanding of it, what Bioware has said with this upcoming beta, the the week, the Thanksgiving weekend, uh, four day weekend, from my understanding, what they're going to do is they said if they can, they will keep the the characters that people created last the last round of beta, uh, to where they can p- pretty much pick up where they left off. Which, to a certain point, I can also understand why they do it as well because they're going to have a flood of people, you know, like yourself, because you're going to be at this coming beta. I hope. I hope um, so too. You're going to have a flood of these, you know, a big beta because last the last one was basically like a stress test, which I mean, in this in this case, it's going to be like it's going to look tiny in comparison to what this one's going to be. But they're going to have all these flood of people in, you know, coming into play, and I'm kind of thinking maybe they're doing that because that way they can also test the high level content with the people that got that far mm-hmm. in the last beta, and also have the you know the, the new people that are going to get in. They'll be able to you know test all the changes they made in content, uh, you know, to the to this beta because on the one hand. I, the one concern I do see with that, if they erase all the characters, I mean, I guess if they have to, I can understand that, but if they don't have to, I think they should keep them there because, you know, you don't want to have 10,000 people, you know, trying to compete for the same resources. Absolutely. I mean, you have at least would... several thousand people now that are past the basics and we're not all going to yeah. be in starting area one. Yeah. So, it, you know, to a point I could see maybe that's why they should keep it that way. And I think that maybe they're doing it intentionally because from other stuff I've seen, they're trying to... Uh, this is also on the general forms, by the way. They're 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 trying to test the high level content and lo- high levels up and stuff. So I can maybe say that's why they're doing it, so they can kind of you know, on one hand test the in- the earlier version of the game for the new players at this first time their first beta, but at the same time they're going to test the you know like the level thirties and forties and stuff like that, so they can kind of get feedback on how well how's the voice acting, you know, how is the quest, do the quest make sense, uh, how's the difficulty of the quests and stuff like that, which they do um, they do give you a lot of feedback by the way in the beta for those that are going to play. Um, just to let you know, you're going to get like a bunch of pop-up boxes and stuff like that when you play. And it's going to ask you about. Um, it can happen anytime, like randomly, like like asking like, "What are you doing? How do you enjoy it?" Um, the other thing is going to be about um, uh, how, how do you rate this uh, the storyline of your class your class quest storyline so far? Do you like the voice acting? Uh, is it easy to understand? Is it well written? And you can also give other comments back as well. Just just a forewarning for people that do play, so you don't have box popping on the screen like what the hell is this you know ah, so that's good yeah. to know as well and yeah. it does mean that they are really using it to get information to improve yeah. things makes you feel like you have a purpose for being there other than just yeah. enjoyment yeah okay well we are getting close to uh switching topics here so is there anything you feel like you'd like to convey about uh, star wars the old republic before we move on subject wise well i like to go over my likes and dislikes just yeah just yeah let's do it. that and if you want to ask questions you can go ahead um I've written them down right here because I'm kind of bad about remembering stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Um, like like I said earlier, some of the likes that I liked about the game, I like I thought the story and the voice acting were superb. I thought I've gone over that before. I liked the voice talent they've done. I really liked the bounty hunter female voice talent. I thought that was really well voice acted. I liked the companion, my companion Mako, um, and the robot. I did get a, a droid, which I, I haven't really done much with him on my ship, but um, that's one area I thought they've done really well in. And I don't think it's a gimmick because people said, "Oh, it's just a gimmick." No, I think it's more than that. I think pe- once people get into the game and they start playing it for themselves, I think people will really like the voice acting and it will get onto them. It, it it makes you feel like you're part of a bigger story. And at the same time, it also makes you care about your character that you're playing and also the people around you, your character, your companions, because you will form relationships with them and stuff. So that's one area that I like. making out with your companion? Was, no, it, was no. Mako aptly named? No. Well, that, that, that's, that's the, the, char- the name that Bioware gave the character. I didn't name her that. <laughs> but, um, and on the subject of that, they did say that there will be homosexual relationships in the game at a later date. You know, I, I couldn't have because, you know, I'm the same sex as, as Mako, so I couldn't have done anything. But they, you can romance your characters, by the way. You, you can't you can fall in love with them and all that stuff. I, I never got that far enough, and I'm not the right sex to do it. But, um, you know, you will be able to do it at a later date. They said, you know, um, homosexual relationships with your companions will be possible. So they said they will do that at a later date in the game. Um, other stuff I liked, I thought the questing was really good. Um, I felt, like I said, I felt like I felt like I was part of a bigger part of the story. Uh, didn't feel rehashed, and did feel like I was really grinding in a sense. I'm like there were the quests like you go kill, like go kill me ten of these guys. Okay, yeah, you're, you're, I don't think you're really going to be able to get away from that. Well, I just think yeah, there's always so much you can do, you know, without becoming really wacky and mm-hmm. stuff like that with quests. But I thought the questing was done really well. Um, I thought the the light and dark side system. 
of your character was done really well as well. Um, like I said, you could you could be a real mean person if you wanted to. Like another good example, I did play the trooper up to like level five, and one of the responses I do remember if you wanted to be if you wanted to do the dark side choice was like uh, I think it was one of the, the people accusing the Republic troops of being thugs or something like that. And if you really wanted to, you could. Uh, I think your response was, well, if you want to, I'll, I'll just take your fingers and shoot them off one at a time. Or whatever it is. You could be a real wow. mean person. You know, if you wanted to. If you wanted to be an evil person. Or at, at the same token as well, you could do some really nice things. Like another quest on the trooper side is you can like get some medicine. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it was for the refugees that, that need it. And you had to go get it from somewhere I can't remember now. And then you can have the two choices. You can either give it to the troops, your people. And that get, that's a dark side choice. Or you can give it to the, the refugees because they really need it more than the troops do. And you can get a light side for it. Does it so show that, you during those decisions that it's going to give you 10 dark yes. side points? So you know it's not like a... Yes. Because I, I wouldn't have been able to tell from that option. What, when, uh, like on the, the scroll wheel thing, like uh, on the dialogue thing, what you're going to do is like normally uh, you're going to have three choices. Sometimes you'll only have two. But... Um, and each choice, you know, you, you pick. There's going to be like a there's going to be like a like a like a light blue thing if that will give you light side points for it. And there's going to be like a dark side one if that gives you dark side points. So sometimes you will have multiple light side choices and multiple dark side choices in the same thing. So you know, ah. and the thing about that too is, I was telling my friend about this is that to me, I felt like there was some real morality decisions that you had to make that were that that could go against what you believe personally. Uh, I mean, like some of the stuff that you, you could make some really, uh, you had to, you had, you had to sit and think about like, what do you think that you really want to do with your character? Do you want to, you want to help or you want to, you want to be a good person or do you want to be bad or you want to be somewhere in the middle? Because with this game as well, for those who are following it, they, they are going to allow people to be, walk the gray path, which uh-huh. is basically the middle path of the, of the force. Uh, like they call gray Jedi. So if you want to be, if you, if you want to be on the light side or the dark side, you can walk the middle. Well, the problem though I've read about that is that most weapons are specific to light or dark side, yes. and then you lose all of the epic weapons because they're not for gray. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one area that's been some contention where people are saying, like, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense right now to do it because you're going to be locked out of the, the force-aligned equipment. Like, if you, need, you need to be dark side of the force to use this uh, equipment, you know, or if you need to be vice versa, you need to be the light side. Uh, that's one area that I think Bioware is going to have to do some working on because I really hope they do do like the they do have a serious gray path. I know, hope somewhere. so too. I wanted to do that. That was my plan. Yeah, you know, like you'd be like a Qui Gon Jinn kind of Jedi or character where you, you think can. Qui Gon Jinn was neutral. Well, from from my understanding, like from lore, people kind of consider him more like a gray Jedi and not mm. necessarily along the light side or the dark side. I mean, he did kind of for like the because light, he left the, light side. the council's decision. He didn't. Abide by yeah, but he was kind of like a, like a maverick, and like they told him to do one thing, like with like they said, no, we don't want you to train Anakin, but you know he just said, I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, and they couldn't really stop him. So hmm. some of other stuff I liked as well was the combat. Um, I did PVE and PVP, and I thought PVP was really fun, uh, even though I did the War Zone part of it. I did um, I didn't do Hutball, I did the other two. I can't remember the name of them right now, but um, I thought the combat system was really well done, um, even though there's some bugs into it right now with the both of your abilities and stuff. I felt like it was really immersive. I'm speaking just from the bounty hunter perspective, but I really liked all the tools and stuff that I had as a bounty hunter. You know, to I could choose the way I wanted to fight somebody. Like um, the Arsenal side, um, you had dual pistols, like like mm-hmm. Django does in the movies. Um, so you can have that, and you can also have missiles. Um, you have like a one ability I thought that was pretty like they call it like a fission missile, I believe, or whatever it was, and, like, when you shoot it, it will knock all the, the enemies over if they're standard enemies, and, like, it'll set them on fire and they'll suffer from radiation burns or something like that. It's just, like, those little neat little things that you have, you can do that I thought they were pretty neat. And granted, there are more that I haven't got yet because I'm not high level, I'm not high enough, and I don't have enough talent, uh, skill points in my tree to get them, but um, I thought the combat was pretty well fleshed out. But this is just personal opinion. And the last one I'd say that I liked was the worlds and environments. I thought this was one, this is one area they did really well in terms of the, the city that I was in. I was in Dromenkos, which is the Dromenkos city. Uh, that's basically the Stormwind equivalent, equivalent uh, like your main city and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was there. And I thought that was done really well. The worlds that I saw, like I thought Hutta was done really well in terms of the environment. It looked really believable. I thought Koss was, uh, Droman Koss was pretty good. Um, and uh, Ord Mantell, that's where the trooper starts out. I thought that was done really well as well. And uh, Balmora. I haven't done, I haven't gone to like Illum or any other planet. I haven't got that far. But I thought from what I've seen so far, it felt like you, you really were in Star Wars and such. 
Now, my dislikes to the game, getting to that, the UI has been an area that many people have talked about, not just myself, but other people I know. It's been a big area on the forums. I think I can agree that the UI does need to be worked on. Um, one of the big areas that I had with big problems I've had with the UI is that uh, I believe the customization, there needs to be a lot more customization in terms of like moving the boxes around. Um, if you want to have make your bars longer, your action bars. Because like when I was level 19 when I stopped playing, but I, I could I ran out of space. I couldn't put any more abilities on my bar. I was maxed out. So either I had to uh. use one of the scrolling. Uh, there's like a some like a somewhat of a uh, extended b- a bar ability, like where you can like click it up, click a button, and like it will go up. But you won't necessarily get like more than two bars stacked on top. Like you'll just switch the bar, so you can have more abilities on those extra bars and stuff. But I think that's one area where they do need to work on it. And from what I've seen. Uh, Bioware looks like they are going to probably try to work on it more, give customization, hopefully before launch, or if not, shortly after it, you know, to where you can pretty much just customize it how you want to. I'm sure there'll um, be a mod or an add-on for that. <laughs> well, I'm really hoping they don't do a bunch of third-party add-ons because that, that's a whole. I know how you feel about them. Stuff. I'm teasing. <laughs> um, other areas that I thought that needs some work: the graphics, um, the graphics part of the game. Um, I'm not bashing the graphics themselves. I thought the graphics were really convincing, but a couple areas that I found that were bugs was there was one bug that I thought that was really annoying was where in certain cutscenes of the game, like when you're talking to uh, your companions or other characters or whatever it is, the, the the system had a really bad problem, like with switching from really high quality, high detailed textures to muddy, unintelligible textures. Like they were there, but they were really hard to like make them out. They were just kind of like, painted on. Like, like a really bad painting or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to make them out. Uh, I did put a ticket in about that. I hope Bioware does fix it. Um, but granted, this is why it's still beta. So, right. You know, now you can tell them, tell them to fix it. Yeah. The space combat, uh, I thought it was okay. Because, um, yes, there is space combat in this game. But right now it's pretty much on rails, so to speak. Like you fly in, you fly like in a predetermined path and you, like you can shoot and move your ship to a limited degree. And that's and in like space that. uh, options because I understand that there's kind of a... I don't know if they're speeders or land, sort of your version of flight paths on the land. Um, um, yes, yes, there is. Well, the space combat is different from the land. The land thing is like you will be able to have like they call like your speeders and stuff like that in the game uh, at a higher level. And um, there are like taxis is what pretty much what they call them in the game. Like where you can like ride like a speeder across the map if you don't want to. It's like if you have to say if you need to go put your clothes in the washroom, for example, you can just uh, say. <laughs> okay. uh, queue yourself up or whatever it is, and it will fly you to your destination across the map in the game. So it's very similar to flight paths. I see. I understand there is a lot of running, so that would be useful. Yes, that's been one area where people have been complaining, and to a certain point, I think it's kind of, I could do see their point until level 15 or level 14 when I got Sprint, which is a ability that gives you like a 35% run increase outside combat. And I felt that also, that felt, at least for me, I felt that really helped speed the game up a little bit. And I didn't really mind the running aspect too much because I felt like, you know, the environment's really well done to where I can think, like, oh, this is, I feel like I'm really in Star Wars right now. So I think people were just kind of nitpicking at things to just because they didn't really have anything else to talk about or nitpick at. So they're just nitpicking at little tiny things like, oh, well, <laughs> I have to run. Well, it's an MMO. If you don't like it, don't play. <laughs> it's very simple. <laughs> but um, like I was saying, the space combat, I thought it was fun to a certain point, but after a while, I can't see, people have also said this as well, that it kind of gets a little boring because like, it's on rails, like you fly in a predetermined path, and you can move your ship to a certain extent, but you cannot really change the direction of where your ship is going. Thankfully with this, um, Bioware has said they've gotten such feedback on putting like a Star Wars Galaxies, or if you are an old school TIE Fighter X-Wing player like I am. I used to play that a lot when I was younger. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're talking about pretty much adding that into the game, like you have your own, like you're going to be able to like, uh, free roam your ship wherever you want to go and have hopefully big space battles like the Battle of Endor kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, that's that, one that's area... That's something I, they can definitely use uh, when they do oh, yeah. expansions, you know. There's got to be a yeah. room for expansions and other content, but now they have that. They said that they've gotten really strong feedback on that, I'm really really glad they did because I think that's one area of the game they really should try to push really hard because, yeah, it's Star Wars. I mean, what... Without <laughs> to be space, land yeah. wars. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars without space, it's... It doesn't make a lot of sense, but hopefully, you know, down the road, they'll put something in there to where you can do, like, free roam space combat, you know, PvP in space and stuff like that. And do exploration, because I think there's a lot of potential for that in this game. And from what I've seen from Bioware, they said they're going to really look into it now, seeing how they've had a lot of feedback, positive feedback to do this. So, 
And the last uh, dislike I kind of had with the game was the comp- uh, the difficulty needed to be tweaked a little bit. Um, why I say this is because as a bounty hunter, this is just me, I was able to take on a good, I don't know, probably seven or eight mobs at one time. Oh. Granted, they did get me killed <laughs> because I messed up. But um, That's pretty overpowered, though, that many. Well, granted, they were not elite mobs. So, you know, they were pretty easy to kill, but there were some elite mobs that you know, they can kick your butt if you're not careful. They did with this last thing, from my understanding, is they've gone back and they've tweaked the difficulty just a little bit. So it makes it a little harder. People are complaining, well, oh, well, no, I can't solo this. Well, it, it's still a work in progress, but hopefully I do, I do, they tweak it to where it's not going to be uh, really easy, but at the same time it's going to have some difficulty to it. So I think those, two or the, three mobs is, is safe, not seven or eight. Well, some of the mobs are really strong. I mean, some mobs you cannot, uh, some mobs I couldn't solo by myself. Like some of the elites, mm-hmm. even with Mako with me, I, I couldn't solo more than one of them because they hit so hard. You know, and you you die, and you really needed a tank there, or at least more than one uh, person with you to do it, because they uh, weren't they were heavy hitters. I'll put it that way. Uh, that yeah, would bother me. That would bother me. I do want to solo until I get to be like twenty something. Yeah, well, well, thankfully the elite moms were few and far between, which I'm kind of glad they are there because this game doesn't need to be stupidly easy. <laughs> at the same point, it does need to have some difficulty to it, to where you actually have to think and do tactics to accomplish what you need to do. So, okay. Pretty much uh, it for there. Yeah. I want to do a brief introduction, and very brief because we're already over an hour here, uh, to something you introduced me to a couple weeks ago, a mod for Half-Life 2, which I've decided to play through and and finish finally. And I'm about, (laughs) I'd say, I don't know, halfway maybe through with the uh, doing the water uh, works area. You're close to halfway. Close to halfway. Okay. And... It's made by a person whose alias is called Fake Factory, but his real name, and forgive me because I'm going to have to pronounce it, it's German, is Jorgen Wierhaeg, and he's a 43-year-old man. He lives in Germany. Uh, he's an IT service guy and decided, I guess, for a class he was taking, uh, learning modeling and texturing and coding, that he decided to make this mod called uh, a cinematic mod for Half-Life 2. And what it does is just makes the characters kind of updated to modern standards yeah. of, uh, of I guess, new games, and they're mm-hmm. really state-of-the-art looking. Uh, it also apparently makes it a darker and different kind of look to the yep. world and replaces some low-resolution textures with high-resolution counterparts. And there's some storyline ads and differences in this, uh, one of which you were telling me the other day, if you want to explain to the listeners about the day and night difference in the one section that you uh, played before, yeah, in the Cinematic Mod Ten, that's that's the latest one. There's there's a, another one the guy's working on right now. It's Cinematic Mod Eleven, but that's still beta, um, so I wouldn't play that. But um, with the difference between Cinematic Mod Ten and uh, the vanilla version of Half Life Two, the one that Valve did and came out with, uh, there's a part in the game where you are you go to Ravenholm um, after you uh, after your pretty much the area where your friends are gets attacked and you have to leave. And then you go through some tunnels and stuff and then you go to Ravenholm and then that pretty much is like a night portion of the game. It's all at night and then you have to fight your way through there. I won't say too much because if you haven't played the game I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, and then once you get out of Ravenholm and you go you go a little ways and you go through some tunnels and then the game pretty much it goes from uh, uh, night to day in a relatively short period of time which when you count the probably maybe an hour and a half uh, two hours if you're pretty new to the game. It might take you to get to, to Ravenholm. Uh, and if you're pretty, if you're experienced at playing the game, it should take you not too long at all. Uh, the time discrepancy is really kind of weird from where you, you know, it's night in one hand and then it goes to day like in an hour or two. And so in the Cinematic Bot 10, what uh, things the, the guy did is that he made it to where it's pretty much all night sequence for a good portion of the game. From Ravenholm all the way till I can't remember. I think it was all the way up to Nova Prospect, I believe, until you left there, and then it then it goes back to daytime. So you know, that's one area of the game I thought that was really kind of neat, and uh, it added a lot of immersion to the game because it felt like you were kind of you can't really see as hard because that's one area I thought that was kind of hard to see. Like at night, yeah, I had to use my flashlight up because sometimes it was so dark. Uh, but it, I thought it added a lot of immersion to the game. So I think it's really neat to see how he's updated the textures and skin oh, skin yeah. and hair of all the characters and made them look really realistic compared to... I mean, at the time it came out, it, it was well done. Oh, 
But, yep. you know, it's been quite a few years since then, and it's updated now. Something that's uh, free and easy to check out. The only requirements are that you own Half-Life, I believe, 1 and 2, and then Episode 1 and 2, is it? But no, you need, you need to own Half-Life 2 and Episodes 1 and 2. Not you, Half-Life you 1, to, you don't have to own No, 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 okay. you don't need to have Half-Life You just need the Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2, Episode 1, and Half-Life 2, Episode 2. You need those three, and you need to have them, you need to own them in your Steam account, and you need to have them activated at least run once. Now, once you have that done, you, you don't need to run Steam. You can run the mod without Steam. So, so I'll also link it on the site. And I'm hoping to interview Fake Factory and talk a little bit about that because I think it's really uh, interesting how much he seems to love this game and it's just kind of keeping it alive, even though it's an older game. Yep. So hopefully he'll be on uh, maybe next week in the future and we can talk to him. But Sounds like fun. Yeah. A big thank you to Alan. And uh, you can find him on this podcast, on his segment, the uh, tech talk that he does, and pretty much nowhere else because he doesn't have Twitter. Gotta drag him kicking and screaming no, no. into the 21st century here. Uh, but if you'd like to leave some feedback or keep up with the news, you can find me on Twitter at Gray Area Podcast or at Facebook slash Gray Area Podcast or on iTunes. If you have any gray areas in your relationships or just need a new perspective, email me your questions, advice, or suggestions to genesegray at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week with a new episode.